good evening. Ah, oh, that's a lot better. Now I feel welcome. <laughs> it's good to be here. Um, I got a lot of things running around my brain at one time. I, I'm one of these people that, you know, uh, all of a sudden I'll just get on overload and I freak out, and I'm kind of right there right now. Um, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight. That'll get us started. Uh, I was just thinking about the message and, and how we're going to start the, the message tonight and some some thoughts and some things that have happened in my life. I'm trying to put them all together so I can present them to you in a, in a good way. I always kind of uh, get the bones of the sermon and then the stories just sort of, I trust the Lord to bring them to me while I'm standing here and, and that's the way it happens and all of a sudden I'm, gonna, I'm getting overloaded with stories. Um, I want to read you some scriptures before we get into 1 Corinthians 12, but I want you to keep your Bible open to 1 Corinthians 12. I think they'll put the scriptures on the screen behind me. It says in Psalm 139, starting with verse 13 of God, it says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. And it says this. Every single day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And then it says this last thing. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. You know, I was, I was riding in the car with my wife today, and, and uh, we, we moved to West Oahu, you know, a number of months ago. And we're looking past the old St. Francis Hospital and talking about what's happening to it, and it's in the process of being sold and all that. And, and, and she brought up the fact that um, when Carl was born, uh, there was an earthquake uh, just the day after. And had we gone to the local hospitals, both of those hospitals were severely damaged in the earthquake badly. She, they would have had to vacate the mom and the newborn. Uh, but we had months before decided to put her in another hospital that was closer to where we had lived before. And we can't really tell you why. But she was telling me today, you know, that was a miracle. That was God. God made that decision. He, he knew the earthquake was coming in a way that we didn't. You know, I can point to so many different things that have happened in my life where I, things that, that just took, took place in, in ways that we didn't know. We, we've, uh, Ruby just created a, a Facebook group page uh, that's uh, called Hope Chapel Family and Friends and, and it goes back to 1971 and so there's some pictures that she put up there and uh, you know I, we had gone to this conference and, and we heard this guy speak about this rich philanthropist in the mainland who was a big donor to the Richard Nixon campaign he got in his name in the newspaper over that but he was a, a, a Christian and and um, we heard this guy tell this story about the guy and everything and I get this idea and I and so I, I, I wrote the guy a letter, and uh, we're, I was pastoring 20 people. And I asked him for enough money. There was a book called The Cross and the Switchblade. Some of you know they made a movie out of it, and it was about uh, the Holy Spirit working in New York among gang kids and stuff. And, and we, could, we could actually buy those books at the time when a paperback book was about two bucks. We could buy them for a quarter apiece um, because some other rich person was publishing them real cheap so to, as giveaways. And so I wrote this guy a letter. There's 20 people in our church, and I asked him for enough money to give away 20,000 copies of that book. 
And uh, he did. He gave us the money. <laughs> and so there's a picture of us with all the books. We, we couldn't afford 65 bucks to buy little stickers that, that had my home phone number on them and said, need help, call Hope Chapel. Um, so on a Friday afternoon, I wrote a hot check, uh, a rubber check to the printer to pay for the labels. And Saturday we stuck la- and Sunday afternoon we stuck labels all over the books and we prayed like crazy that $65 would come in the offering on Sunday and it did. And th- those were the days when sometimes only $25 came in the offering. And um, and then I, 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 later on I, I and we by the way we gave away all the books uh, very very quickly. By the time that the books came, there were about a hundred of us in the church, and within two weeks we had we had given away those books and. And actually, we, our numbers swelled. People started calling all the time, and you know, one thing had led to another. And, and then I was, I was thinking, because again, I'm looking at her Facebook page, and, and, and one of the guys that's one of our successful Hope Chapel pastors posted something on there, and, and, he, and he put a bunch of, of, of posters and, and a photo album or a, a record album cover from when this group called the Children of the Light, this band, was uh, uh, played, used to play at our church. And, and when, when we were still so small that we only had like 60 people in church. I, I, I got, one day I was praying, I felt like the Lord told me I was supposed to get a hold of this band and, and ask them to come play at our church. And it's like, you know, we, they wouldn't even probably come because we're such a small church. And, and um, um, so I, I mentioned it to one of my friends and, and, and I and asked him, do you, you know how to contact these guys? And, and he goes, well, why don't you contact them? I go, I don't know how to. And he goes, they all go to your church. And, uh, and then there was the day when the, the leader of the band, when they had just finally hit it big, and, they, and, they, and they, they had a nationwide record album, a deal with Sony, and all that. And one day we were in a car, and I felt like the Lord told me to tell him, uh, you know, this isn't going to last forever, and you've got a lot to give to the world, and, and more than just writing songs. And he wrote some wonderful songs. You, you, you need to think about maybe being a pastor someday. And... Uh, Little did we know that that one album, which did quite well, would be their last album, and and it, 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 the the music thing would come to an end. Uh, but today I saw them two weeks ago in in uh, Arizona. Uh, they're thriving. They're doing really really well. God's blessing them as pastors. God has a way of getting into our lives and intersecting our lives. And this scripture that I just read, the the the, the the, the weird thing that happens when you're a pastor and you read scriptures like this is everybody sitting in the audience assumes, oh yeah, that's true of pastors. But that's not what the Bible's talking about. This Bible's talking about it's true of people. That God knew you before you were born. He knew your innermost being before you ever came out of your mother's womb. He knew what your personality was going to be about. It says here, that God knew every day of your life and it was already recorded in his book. That every moment was recorded before a single day had passed. God knew you and God cares about you. And then it says this incredible thing, how precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. God has only kindness toward you. He only has good toward you. And all that you and I have to do is get ourselves in a position where we are willing to just hold hands with him and get ourselves through life. You know, I, I saw this Financial Peace University thing up here and, and all these people jumping for joy that they're out of debt. Um, God wants to bless us and bless our finances. He, he cares about you. And, 
If you start to do things His way, I'm here to tell you, I've, I've, I've lived my entire adult life virtually without debt. And, 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 and went through some very lean times, but did it without debt. And we would, we, would, we would charge things in order to get a discount or something like that and just go pay it off at the end of the month, do that kind of stuff, but basically no debt at all except for, the, the, for a house. Um, you can't avoid that. But God wants it to be that way. God wants things to work really, really well as we get ourselves in tune with Him. And, and, and so he, he gives us His Holy Spirit to, to, to come to us and to, to bless us. And I'm going to give you three scriptures in Romans. <clears throat> boom, boom, boom. And um, I want you to see a progression. The first one is in Romans 6, where it says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation comes to us because God loves us, and he gave his son on that cross to die for us. And, and, and then it goes on in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, and it says, For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The one thing that happens when you become a believer in Jesus is that there starts to become a transformation, and, and, and one of the major parts of the transformation is that God begins to fill you with a sense of that he loves you, but also that you're supposed to love the people around you. You know, Tom was up here talking about, you know, that, that how he couldn't live without our church. Well, we need each other. And, and so there's this love that comes on because of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God living inside of you. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would become a teacher. He would become a counselor. He would become an advocate. He would, he would he, because he was going away, he would send his Spirit to live inside of each of us, and he would guide us through life. And then there's a, another scripture in Romans chapter 12, verse 6. It says, in his grace, and I would add through his Holy Spirit, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And I could get into the Greek and explain it all to you and confuse you really good um, about, about the relationship of the word holy uh, that's applied to the Holy Spirit and what goes on here with the, 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 the gifts that God gives to us. But it says that God has not only given us his spirit to live in us. In other words, my salvation and your salvation is not a static thing. We, we didn't get saved to just sit around in church and sing songs until we go to heaven. Uh, we got saved to be God's agents in this world and to make the world a better place. You know, when, when, when Ruby and I were starting the church and we wrote that guy that letter and asked for those 20,000 books, uh, what we wanted to do was to touch 20,000 lives. We were 25 years old. Uh, and, and virtually broke. We put all of our money in the church, but we thought we could touch 20,000 lives, and, and, and we did. And, you know, life has gone on and changed. God wants to move through us, and so he's given us his spirit, but then the Bible gets into this thing about what, what it calls spiritual gifts. And um, the word grace in the New Testament is, uh, in Greek, in the language the New Testament was written in, is charis. Uh, the word spiritual gift singular, is charis. The word spiritual gifts, plural, is charismata. The mata makes the charis into plural. Okay, So the very thing that God's talking about when God sent his son to, to the world um, so that you could be saved by grace through faith, it's that same grace that God wants to work by putting graces in your life. Spiritual gifts are graces. God wants to put graces in your life. What does that mean? Well, that means that there would be a touch of the supernatural. And that as you begin to 
interact on with God on these impulses that he brings to you as you interact with life around you, that supernatural things will happen. I just told you some stories. I told you the story of, 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 of feeling that I was supposed to get a hold of this band and ask them to come sing at our church when they were singing at big churches. They weren't singing at small churches and playing. And, 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 but then I found out that they were involved already because attending our church. And the next thing that I find out is I, become, I have a lifelong friendship with the leader of that band. God does these things. I, I, I sense an impulse to tell this young boy, because he was, he was, I was 25, he was like 19 or 20 at the time. You know, you got to really think about the long term here, and, and, and the music thing is going to die one day, and you got to be thinking about, and, 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 and they were right, right at the apex of where they were going to go, and, it, and the thing started to taper off. I had no idea. What happened is, is I sensed that the Lord's saying to say something. And so I go ahead by faith and kind of not like God told me to tell you. You know, I don't do that one. Uh, I just say what I feel like the Lord's telling me to say in, in as humble a way as I can say it. And afterwards I find out God really did tell me to say that thing. And that's how spiritual gifts work. You feel led to go pray with somebody who's hurting and then God answers the prayer and you find out that God actually imparted a gift through you to the other person. Am I making sense? And so it, it, as, as we who are awesomely made, the Bible actually says we're made in the image of God. We who, were before we were born, God knew us in our, in our innermost being. He knew you, you. He knew your temperament. You know, my, my mother prayed. My mother was not a Christian. And she prayed before I was born that God would use my life as an adult. A weird thing to pray when you're not a Christian. I mean, when my dad finally did become a Christian and, and I did at the same time, uh, my mother got so mad about it that I thought my parents were going to get a divorce for two months. The battle went on. It raged. And yet this woman, holding, you know, carrying her firstborn child in her stomach, is praying that God will use the kid when he grows up. And guess what happened? You're all here. God answered that prayer. God knows you. God knew you. God will know you. And God communicates. And He speaks to us. And, 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 it's, and, and now here's the weird thing about the spiritual gifts. You're not going to know you got them until you use them. Let me say that again. The weird thing about spiritual gifts is you're not going to know you got them until you use them. If somebody speaks prophetically to another person, you're never going to know that you have a gift of prophecy operating in your life until at some point something happens in somebody's life and you feel this urge to go and tell them something that could impact their life. And if you go, uh-uh, I'm not doing that one because that's just me making this up, you'll never know. But if you can find a way to go humbly without going, this is the voice of the Lord, and go and say, you know, what about this? Maybe you ought to think about this. And they act on it, and their life changes for the good. Then you will go, hey, God used me in a prophetic manner. That's really cool. So you don't have to be somebody <clears throat> bigger than you are. You just have to be you, willing to be used by God. 
and to interact with the Spirit of the Lord as He speaks to you. And as He does that, He imparts these spiritual gifts through us. Am I making sense? And, and our life becomes tinged with the supernatural in some really good and wonderful ways. Well, 1 Corinthians 12, read it with me. Verse 1. Now, br dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities, I'm, I'm reading this from the, the New Living Translation, so it doesn't use the word gifts. If you went to the King James Bible, it would say spiritual gifts here. Uh, so, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the spiritual gifts or the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. And Paul's, in other words, saying it's not some spooky thing. It's not some... Uh, thing that's only for the elite spiritually to get a hold of. This is for everybody, and I want you to understand it. I want you to understand it well. Uh, first thing you need to understand about spiritual gifts is they are different than, than natural talent or learned skills. Natural talent are things that people are good at. You know, there are people that are actually very good at sports, and I ain't one of them. Um, I taught my son how to play ping pong, and the next day he was beating me regularly. He was eight years old. Uh, I've never been good at any kind of sports in my life other than skiing because I could ski faster than everybody else because I found out if you just go straight, you go fast. Um, but, I, you know, I, it, so it, it's, not, it's not natural abilities. You know, I'm a reader, and I'm a fast reader. But you know why I'm a fast reader? Because I went out for Little League Baseball, and out of 320-some-odd kids, there were only two kids that didn't make any team in Little League. It was the I'm so old, it was the first year that they played Little League Baseball in Portland, Oregon. And I went out and I got cut, cut and cut and cut. At the end of the day, there was two of us that weren't good enough to make a Little League Baseball team. That same summer, they brought this great big green truck that sat on the side of a bookmobile to our park. And every Thursday, every other Thursday, I could go and check out five books. And, and I, I learned to live in a world of books. And it stood me in good stead. I, I've become a very, very fast reader. And, but that's a natural ability. In fact, that's a, a developed skill. Twice I've taken speed reading classes. And I've gone in the class faster than anybody because they test you when you go in. And then I got faster as I went through the class. That's a developed skill. That's not a spiritual gift. That's just something. You know, I like history. Why? Because I like books. That, that's not a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is something that you, that you don't really have any control over. You can't initiate it. The Lord will, will, will you know, and, and, and again, I'm going to use the word, the Lord will speak to you. But you've got to clarify because it's not like you hear it with your ears. There's like, you know, the Bible in one place calls it a still small voice, but it's like God will put a thought in your brain. And you, and, and you, you, you know, there's, there's times that your friend will be talking to you and they're hurting, something's going on in their life, and, and, and you, you're looking at them and, and, and all of a sudden it's like, well, you're causing the grief in your own life. You should stop. You should change these things that you're doing. And you, you get this strong impression that you should say this, and then you chicken out. And what just happened is you just rejected the chance for the Lord to do something and use you as his mouthpiece to speak into that other person's life. Or you get the courage up and you go, oh, you know, I don't know if this is going to help you very much, but maybe you ought to. And, and you go ahead and you say it. And, and, and then you go, oh, oh, that, that, was, that was the Lord. The next time that happens, you're going to have a little more courage. And the next time, a little more courage yet. And the next time, a little more courage. Am I making any sense here? Well, so 
this is available to all of us. This, this is in all of us already. And the Bible says that God gifts us differently, and different people are gifted to do different things. We'll get into that. Uh, but together we become the body of Christ, and together God uses us to do His purpose. Verse 2, it says, You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. Now, I doubt that any of you in this room were worshiping speechless idols before you are Christians, because our culture doesn't do that. But in the culture of ancient Corinth, uh, they were worshiping idols. I've been to Corinth, and I've seen the museums that are there, and it's pretty amazing the amount of stuff that they cobbed together and they bowed down and prayed to. Uh, there's a book, a place in the book of Isaiah that talks about how foolish it is that a, a person takes a piece of wood and he carefully carves an idol and he prays to the idol and then he takes the rest of the wood and he, and, and he makes a fire and he warms his hands by the fire. And, and he expects the idol to somehow answer his prayers, the thing that he just made. Uh, it says here, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and you swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God, will curse Jesus, which an idol worshiper would do. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What's he saying? Is that all of you that would name Jesus as your Lord, the reason that you do that is because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And so the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is not foreign to us. And we have all experienced times, no matter how new you are in your faith, or how immature you are in your faith. And you can be around for a long time and still be immature. We have all experienced times when we have had these little urges or uh, intimations that we, that, we, that we sense are otherworldly. They're not just me doing they're, they're, you know, some, something's Something's messing with my head here. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit who's inside of every one of us if we name the name of Jesus. You cannot call Jesus the Lord without the Holy Spirit having brought you to that place that, that you would do that. And so God's going to gift us all. God's never going to ask you to do something that he won't give you the ability to do. God's never going to ask you to, 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 to pray for somebody that he's not going to come along and be an, uh, an intimate part of that process. Uh, God wants you to serve and to, to, to be fruitful and to be gracious. Verse 4, it says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts or graces, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service. Uh, the word is ministry. Uh, it, it's related to the word that we get deacon from, diakonos, which means a bond servant. So I am gifted to serve others is, is really what the Bible says. But we serve the same Lord. So there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of ministry or service, but we serve the same Lord. As we do these things, we serve God, the same God. God works in different ways. The effects of our lives are going to be different one from another. But it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And so the key word here in this passage is the word different. God is going to do different things in each one of us, but it's the same Lord, it's the same Spirit, it's the same purpose behind it all. God wants to bless other people and give people His grace through our lives. Well, we've been gifted to make a difference. Verse 7, it says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Actually, I think that more than one spiritual gift is given to us, and and if we could assemble it, and we actually have, there's a, a little thing online 
uh, that I'm going to tell you about later. Uh, it's, it's a list of spiritual gifts. You can go on our website and kind of look at definitions and stuff and uh, do a little follow-through. But there, there are uh, five different lists of spiritual gifts in the Bible, and you know they don't any one of them cover all the gifts. But it says the spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help each other. The point is not to say, I'm gifted in this way. The point is to say, how can I help? I want to serve. It's the Spirit putting different gifts in different people, but the same Spirit, the same purpose, is always to minister to people, to help people. Spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. King James would call that a gift of wisdom. You know, there's some people that you know that just are wiser than the rest of us. Uh, Aaron Suzuki, y'all know him? Mr. Miyagi, it stands at the back door. <laughs> if you, if you want to know a wise man, get to know Aaron. And, and I've known Aaron for a long time. I, I, I knew Aaron right after he was going to kill himself. And uh, a, a, a guy at work felt like he was supposed to go and give him a little book that had the book of Romans. Have you read Romans in the New Testament? It's probably the, it, it, it's the most instructive book of the New Testament, but it's the hardest book of the New Testament. And here's this non-Christian guy. Now here's, here's Aaron. He's, he's got a black Porsche, a beautiful girlfriend that he's living with, and a house at the beach. And, 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 he, and he's working on motorcycles all the time uh, as an engineer for, for American Honda. He's got life made in the shade. And he has planned on a Wednesday night where he's going to go, what time he's going to do it, and what he's going to use to overdose and kill himself. And a Christian guy at work feels this little urge that he's lugging around with him this little red book, the book of Romans from the New Testament. And he goes, I don't know really why I'm supposed to do this, but I think I'm supposed to give you this. And Aaron goes in the bathroom, locks the door in the bathroom at work, and reads through the whole book of Romans and doesn't understand a word of it. But it makes him cry. It makes him cry. It makes him really emotional. And so he comes back out to the guy. The guy's name is Jim. And, 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 he, and he wants to talk to Jim. And they go out and they get in Jim's car after work. And they go get something to eat and whatever. And they're driving and they end up pulling over to the side of the 405 freeway in Los Angeles. And Jim leads Aaron to the Lord right about the time that Aaron was going to kill himself. Now, would you say that God used Jim? Jim's just a regular guy, one of the quietest men I've ever met in my life. And what did he use him to do? Give somebody a book. But that's this way the Holy Spirit does stuff. And usually, the cool thing is, he starts out with easy stuff. But then he moves us on. And, and so some people, if you know Aaron, you'll, you'll find that there's a gift of wisdom in Aaron Suzuki's life. He's just a very, very wise man. It says, to another, this, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge, revelation. You just know something that, you're, that, that nobody, you couldn't have known in any other way. I, 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 the first time this ever happened to me, I was a young pastor and, and uh, very unsure of myself. Very, very, very unsure of myself. And a guy who was new in our church, was real popular in our church, uh, uh, comes to me and he wants to talk about his marriage. He's going through all these things, and and um, he was separated from his wife. And um, real outgoing guy. And if you notice, I'm not. Okay. And um, 
we're sitting there and we're talking and he's just going on and belly aching about his wife and saying all these things and all this grief and stuff. And, and all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to me and says, ask him if he's involved in this particular sin. And, and it's like, I'm not going to do that. Give me a break here. I'm not going to do this at all. And, and, and it just won't go away. I just keep getting this urge. I, don't, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm used to saying it's God speaking to me, okay? But, it, but it, I didn't hear a voice. I just, there's something urging me to ask this guy if he's involved in this particular sin. And so finally, I, uh, I, 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 I hem and haw, kind of on purpose, so the guy won't think I'm judging him. And I go, you know, this feels really weird to me, but I just keep having this, this urge and I'm supposed to ask you this question. And it's a really hard question for me to ask. And, well, what is it? And I go, well, it's kind of weird. <laughs> and, 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 and then I ask. And, and instantly he goes, and he starts crying. All this has been about his wife. And all of a sudden, and he's crying. And man, we had breakthrough you wouldn't imagine. It was incredible. What was that? Well, the, the, the King James Version of the Bible says, calls it a word of knowledge or a gift of knowledge. That God just supernaturally dumps some knowledge in my brain. But if I didn't open my mouth and do something with it, nothing would have happened. Because I found a way to finally get the courage enough to say it. Then the guy got liberated uh, that day. He got really liberated, set free. He goes on and says, um, the same Spirit gives great faith to another. I, 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 I know people who have got monstrous faith. Carl Moore has more faith than I have. I believe he has a gift of faith. I'll, I'll see him look at a problem and he looks at it entirely differently than I do. And he'll engage it uh, from, from, from a position of faith that is just foreign to me. It's just foreign. And I, and, and I trust the Lord deeply. I've, I've walked with the Lord and I know I can trust Him. But there's something that's like raging faith. And my son has it. And I don't. It goes on and says, um, to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. You know, they're, they're, I, I, I've prayed for sick people before and had them die. I've prayed for sick people before and, and, and had God do a miracle. But there are people who consistently pray for people and miracles happen. Consistently. That would be a gift of healing. You'll never know if you have the gift if you don't pray for somebody. You only know you got the gift by trying it out. Uh, it's the only way that it works. He gives another person the power to perform miracles. You know, I have a friend who, uh, he's passed away now, but um, when we were young, he he told me about uh, his father. He said, my father was a man of great faith, just incredible faith. And, 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 he, and he told me two stories. And, and I knew the father, and, and he wasn't a likable man. He was a pastor. Uh, he was a hard man. I, I, I didn't like him very well at all. I, I actually almost went to work for him, in fact. And I'm really glad I didn't, because I didn't like him. It would have been hard to work for him. Um, but but he, this guy told me the stories. And, and uh, one time... He said that they were, um, they, they lived in Nebraska and it was in the snow and, and a guy's car got stuck and a whole bunch of guys were trying to push this car to get it gone and the car rolled backwards and it broke this guy's arm. And uh, the guy, the, 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 my friend's father, spoke to the arm and said, be healed. 
And he said, I watched. He said, I was about a 10-year-old boy. And he goes, I watched this arm that was bent right here all of a sudden be straight right here. And a guy was healed instantly. And, and he said then that later on, as a kid, he was playing baseball, and he broke his collarbone. And he went home. You know, they took him home to his father. And his father spoke to his collarbone and said, get healed. And, and, and my friend was just hurting and crying and freaking out. And, you know, I, I don't even know what I think about this. I don't know why I'm telling you this story. This isn't a very good story to fail in this sermon because the man wasn't a real likable man. And uh, my friend's name was Roy. And, 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 and the dad looked at Roy and said, when are you going to start believing God? Like it was Roy's fault that he wasn't, his collarbone was still broken. And, uh, and Roy said, something went off inside of me. And Roy was a man of great faith. It, it, it really like an older brother to me. And uh, all of a sudden, the collarbone was okay. Later on, Roy broke the other collarbone. And some lady from the school took him to the doctor. And the doctor's trying to do whatever they do because they can't really set a collarbone. They tape it and they do whatever to immobilize it. And, uh, and, th and then the doctor starts feeling around on his other collarbone. And he, and he goes, so who, who treated this? And, well, nobody. It, it, it's ever been broken. Roy goes, oh, no, it was broken. It was broken. God treated it. God treated it. I mean, that's a wild, weird story. And if I didn't know this man so well and trust him, and if I didn't know his father as well as I knew his father and dislike him, I wouldn't even believe it. But those kind of things happen. It says... To another, he gives the ability to prophesy. That's to take what God's telling you to tell another person and say it to him. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from some other spirit. Uh, the, the, the King James Bible calls this discernment of spirits. I think it's actually a little deeper than, than, than this translation says it. I think it's not just a message. I think sometimes it's a messenger. I've had several times in my life, this, I believe this gift operates in my life, where I'll be exposed to somebody who is like a preacher, uh, and, or, or, you know, some, and, 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 and they're, they're, they're suddenly, boom, they're on the scene, and they're wildly popular. And everybody is just going, oh. And inside of me, I'm going, ooh. Something is wrong here. And, you know, I don't really know what to do with the gift. I, you don't stand up and go, that guy's a false prophet. You, you don't know what to do. You, usually, all I know is that that's a signal for me to be cautious and to sort of stand away and don't get too involved with that thing because that thing's going to go south someday. And sometimes it takes years, and then you see the fruit of what's going on, that there was a lie being lived. And when, and when you, 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 you get it, then it's like, oh my gosh, it was God. So there's this discernment of spirits that goes on. It says, still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language. Uh, the, 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 the Greek term glossolalia means to speak in tongues that you didn't learn. In 1 Corinthians 13, which we're going to look at next week, uh, we're going to look at it a little bit tonight. Just at the end, it says, I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on those 120 earliest Christians, uh, they began to speak about the glories of God in human languages that they had not learned. 
And there's all these people in Jerusalem for this Feast of Pentecost. And they are people from all around the Mediterranean up into southern Europe. And they hear them, Jewish people, living in Jerusalem, speaking in their home language. And they know they didn't learn it. And the Bible says that 3,000 people accepted the Lord that day. Christianity went from a little tiny sect of 120 people to 3,120 plus uh, in, in, in the space of a morning because of this thing of somebody speaking things of God in languages that they didn't know. And God will give us this language. The Bible tells us a whole bunch about this in different places than, than we're looking at tonight as a way of praising the Lord, like a private prayer language. As, as you overflow with the Holy Spirit, this comes upon you. But then there are times where it, the, the purpose of it is to speak it out loud to somebody else. And somebody will be given, it's going to say here, the, the gift of interpretation. And I've been in meetings where, where there was a problem and somebody started speaking a language they didn't know. They didn't know what they were saying. Somebody else goes, I feel like the Lord's telling me what it is. And it unlocked the problem that we were going through. And so this business of, of, of speaking in other tongues. I have a, a friend who's a pastor who's about 10, 11 years older than me. And he told me a story once. And uh, I, I've, I've actually heard several stories like this, but I, this one always stands out, that he was on an airplane and he was traveling to go someplace and speak. And he sits next to some guy that, under, that, that is, is a student of ancient uh, uh, Western Hemisphere languages. So uh, Native Americans and Native South Americans, people from this continent before people came from Europe. And so my friends said, just as an experiment, I mean, this is a little weird, but just as an experiment, he spoke in tongues to the guy. And he said, he said it this way. He, he said, you know, somebody gave me some words in another language. I wonder if they mean anything to you. He's covering up. And then he just spoke in tongues because he got this prayer language thing going. And the guy is blown away and says, you just, and he told him what he had said, and he said, you spoke to me in this ancient Peruvian dialect, and you said these words. And my friend opens up his Bible and shows him where it talks about the gift of tongues and says, this is what I did. I, and, and he led the guy to the Lord on the airplane. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's cool boarding and it's spooky. And he goes on and says, to another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. And so the whole deal here is that God wants to work through us all and to work through us all in supernatural ways. In verse 11 it says, It is the one and only Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And then it rolls over into chapter 13. And if you know anything about the Bible, you know that the Bible didn't have chapters and verses. This was a letter written to the church in Corinth. Later on, about four centuries later, somebody comes along and divides the Bible up into chapters and verses. And the reason they did it was so that we could do what we just did tonight. I could tell you all, open your Bible to this place. Um, you know, I was in Israel last year. A bunch of us from, from the church went to Israel. And, and we saw people... Uh, we went to the to the Wailing Wall. This has nothing to do with the sermon. I'm just telling you a story. Um, the, the, the place where people go there and they pray 
and you've all seen pictures of it. You know, the Dome of the Rock is sitting on top, and at the base there's these big stones that were like foundation to Solomon's Temple. And people go there, and they write prayers on paper, and they stick them in the cracks in, the, in between the rocks. And, and then there's people, and they've got the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, in these expensively gilded, I mean, parts of the stuff is made of gold scrolls and these great big fancy boxes and they bring them out and they're about like this tall and and the, and the scrolls if they're all rolled up would probably be about like this but usually they're kind of double rolled and then you know the paper going between them and and um why did i start to tell you this <laughs> oh my gosh why was i gonna say this huh yeah but i, I had a it had a reason Oh, I know why. I know why. It really doesn't have anything to do with the sermon at all. It has to do with chapters and verses. It has to do with chapters and verses. If we were all reading from a scroll, and we had to go, go find the place where it says these three words to all get in the same play page, we'd be here till next Tuesday. Okay? If we just had it as a book, you know, a lot of us read books together, uh, in, in our church, we'll, we'll, we, we get together and we've all read the same book and we want to talk about it. We go page 79, the third paragraph down, the second line in the third paragraph says this. And So you've got to find a way to get your way around the Bible. So the chapters and verses were added to the Bible. The Bible, you know, the book of Corinthians is just a letter. And so chapter 12 and 13, there's really no break in Paul's mind as he's writing this. And so he's been talking about these spiritual gifts and and how God wants to do wonderful things through us. And then he goes on and, and he talks about the gift of speaking in other tongues and everything. In verse, thir- verse 1 of chapter 13, he says, If I could speak all the languages on earth and the tongues of angels. If I could speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. But didn't have love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, if I had incredible abilities of the Spirit, but I didn't love other people, it would just be a waste. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and I possessed all of God's knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, it would be nothing. If I gave everything that I have to the poor, everything, he says. When he says the word everything, you know what it means? Everything. Everything. He says, if I gave everything to the poor, he's, he's, he's speaking in the abstract. He's pushing it. If I gave everything I had away, and even sacrificed my body, I died for somebody. And I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And so, the icing on the cake here is the fact that this whole business of spiritual gifts is really about loving other people enough that you allow God to interfere with your life. And that the Holy Spirit does things through you that bless other people's lives. And that you get to where you get because you're motivated by love. Am I making sense when I say that? And so love is the answer to it all. So we're putting the scriptures up on the screen. I didn't even know that, that we're doing that. That's not an excuse to not bring your Bible. You know, a whole bunch of you have your Bibles sitting there open, and I'm happy because every so often I give you something that's worth writing down in the Bible. 
And some of those of you are getting lazy, and now I know why. Anyway, when the church is operating at its full God-given fullness, that's when we're going to change the world around us. That's where we're really to the degree that we are willing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, to learn the things of the Spirit, to step out in faith and test what God's trying to do in our lives. To that degree, we're going to change one word Oahu, this whole state of Hawaii, and the world. It's going to make a difference. You know, in, in we just come through Vision May, and they have kind of tightened up the statement of purpose for our church. In light of what I just preached to you, listen to these words. It says, Hope Chapel, giving people the best life possible by connecting them to God and his family and equipping them to be involved with what he's doing in the world. Giving people the best life possible by connecting people to God, his family, and then gifting, equipping people to serve others, make a difference in the world, to change the world that we live in. It all comes together. It all makes sense. It's all good. Let's pray together. And as we pray tonight, I want to do something a little different. I want you to all pray out loud what I pray. I'll say a phrase, and then you say it. And if I say something that you can't say, don't lie to God. So don't say it. But otherwise, say out loud what I say. Dear God, thank you for the thoughts that are in my mind at this moment. I pray that you will help me to adopt them so that they make a difference in the way I live my life. I pray that you will show me spiritual gifts that you have invested in me. And I pray that you will give me the courage to step out and step into giftedness. I pray that all of us will work together as one family, as one body, and we will make this world a different place. Thank you for hearing this prayer. Thank you for answering it. Now keep your eyes closed for a minute longer. We're going to pray another prayer. And this won't be for everybody. This will be just for a few people to pray, and I don't want you to pray it out loud. I'll pray out loud. You just kind of do what everybody else just did, but do it in your head. If you're a person that knows that Jesus is not the Lord of your life, that you really aren't connected to God, but you would like to be, that you would like God to forgive you for everything stupid you ever did, and that you'd like Him to keep on forgiving you, and that you'd like Him to hold your hand and get you through life and make it work, then you would want to pray this prayer. We're going to pray in about 30 seconds. 
If you want to pray with me and invite the Lord in your life, I want you to tell me that we're praying together. And the way I want you to tell me is I want you to raise your hands when I count three. One, two, three. And this is one of those nights when no one chose to pray that prayer, so everybody look up. Y'all doing good? Good. You know what? I just love coming here on on Saturday nights. It's just fun, 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 fun. God bless y'all. Thanks, Pastor Ralph. Good word, huh?